This is Justin from the future here. We did record The Force Awakens. However, we really wanted to go into detail on this one. And to be honest, it got a little out of hand. So you may have noticed from the title of this episode, it is part one of two. And so you'll notice that it'll just kind of end. And that's okay, because in the future, there'll be another episode. And without further ado, The Force Awakens. Welcome to Filling in the Gaps. I am your host, Justin. I'm Darren. And we are here often to talk about puzzle games and plot holes. And we have previously discussed J.J. Abrams, and we are continuing that today by discussing The Force Awakens, our favorite movie. Yeah, awesome. (laughs) Even better the second time. Worse. It's so much worse. Uh, to be totally upfront, neither of us are big fans of The Force Awakens. And also, totally upfront, there's going to be tons of spoilers because that's just the way we roll, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're not big fans of this movie. And it's mostly because we see a lot of problems with the movie. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I don't want to just say why I hate it and rag on it, you know, but... Right, which is what I'm a bit worried about, because I have over three pages of notes I made while watching it this week to prepare, and so now I'm a bit worried that most of it is just me griping. I will say I tried to break it down into essentially four overall ideas. I tried to break it down into things that feel too coincidental, time does not matter, and... Part of that is that I feel a lot of times, because things get rushed and pushed through in this movie, that it doesn't give characters a time to develop or bond, or that we feel that they've had time to develop and bond, which is probably the more important issue there. Three, unclear motivations of characters. And four, mysterious connections and backstories, which often are not explained. Honestly, those are four simple ideas, but... There are lots of examples, I think, as well as a few things that personally irritate me, which I won't be able to resist (laughs) mentioning. (laughs) So I think perhaps maybe, I don't know how you wrote your notes. We didn't discuss that, but I I went through and made my notes chronologically as I was watching. I think I I was taking them as as I just went through it as well, but I added bits and pieces to it as I went along. I mean, there's some good things about the movie. There are some good things. Yeah, so I won't say that it's completely awful or this the worst movie I've ever seen but I was very disappointed in it and watching it again this week I was just unhappy watching it I only counted one lens flare scene (laughs) (laughs) well he he did say he's trying to improve yeah trying to cut back on his addiction to lens flare yeah and one other note that is very important that we need to say just before we jump into it We have not yet seen The Last Jedi, which would be episode 8 in the Star Wars saga. Yeah. There is a good chance that Ryan Johnson has filled in some of these gaps that we're going to bring up. And we do understand the fact that you don't have to answer everything in the first movie when there are other movies planned. We are fully aware of that. Yeah. And we are fully aware that by the time this is released... If you're listening to this, you've probably already seen The Last Jedi, and you've probably already seen some of the answers or explanations that 
didn't get put in Force Awakens, but I suspect that there's still a lot of things here that have not. We're purposely moving this episode up in our recording schedule because we want to record this having not seen The Last Jedi and not being influenced by that. Yeah, unbiased, yeah. Because uh, otherwise, if we want to wait until after we've seen that, then we may as well wait three years until after we've seen... (laughs) What's the last one called? I don't think they have a name for it. I think they just have called it Episode 9 thus far. Mm. And apparently Abrams is back in charge of it. Yeah, George R. Abrams. There are some issues, I think, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, but that that's not something I'm <clears throat> as up to date on as other people who've already talked about it at length on the internet. So let's just stick to The Force Awakens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I would like to go through an order just because that's sure. the way my notes go. Yeah. Let's talk about the opening crawl. Mm-hmm. Now, I do understand that in the original series, even with it, like Empire and Jedi that there are things that we get caught up to speed on through the crawl, right? And time has passed. And we don't see absolutely everything that goes on between them. And I understand that, and I'm absolutely fine with that. Yeah. I will say, though, with the sheer amount of time that has passed between... Within movie time, between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens, that I feel there are a lot of things that happened that need to be explained but I don't, we'll, we'll get to that as it comes but in yeah. the crawl it says the first order now exists risen from ashes of the empire right i don't know why they couldn't still be called the empire why they need a new name rebranding i guess and it says they will not rest until luke is destroyed but why why are they that worried about luke i do wonder how everybody in this movie seems to know the story of luke and Han, and some people think that they're legends or myths. But how how do so many people know that? Yeah, that makes no sense. That bit with oh yeah, spoilers for like the entire Star Wars. We're we're not we're not holding back. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if you're like oh I've seen Force Awakens but I haven't seen Return of the Jedi. <laughs> well, go yeah. go see Return of the Jedi. All right. Oh, no one was in that room except for those three essentially, and. I think a couple red guards at one point, but pretty much everything that happened with those three, Luke, the Empire, and Vader, is just those three. And I don't see how your common, even like the stormtrooper on the Death Star, could know what happened in that room or blame Luke for what happened, right? Yeah. And the Emperor seemed overly confident that Luke would either be destroyed or converted. So I don't really feel like he would have a contingency plan in case Luke came in and destroyed everything. And really, Luke didn't. Yeah, that's that's the, that's the whole point. It's, it's not... That's why I liked the, the original Star Wars, because it wasn't really just about him. I mean, he was a hero for me as a kid as well, but it was everyone. It was the the droids, the even the, the Ewoks, man, you know? I mean... Yes, as much <laughs> as people hate on them. As a kid, I loved the Ewoks, and I still appreciate them. Yeah. I, I will say that, which probably we just lost the what little audience we had uh, <laughs> by well, me yeah. saying that. But I, I did like the Ewoks, and I still you try taking down an ATST on your own as yeah. with, with two logs. I love the aspect of them, yeah. honestly. I love the fact that they came in with very low tech solutions to challenge and destroy. I I like that, mm-hmm. but 
that was always Star Wars. It always felt like they were the underdogs, right? <laughs> and I liked to root for the underdogs. And that, to me, that, that was part of it. But that's why I don't understand why the First Order seems not really worried about Han Solo or no, they don't. Leia. Yeah, it they just don't. says it just says they will not rest until Luke is destroyed. And I think we get part of this later when we see Snoke, and Snoke is obsessed with Luke, and Snoke is apparently in charge. So I guess that's why. But it, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that it's, it's the stormtroopers are just following orders. It's just mm-hmm. basically Kylo. Kylo and Snoke, basically, and maybe that other guy who's like the, the general, general guy. guy. And then they're giving the orders. No one else knows about it because no one else, everybody, yeah, like you said, they're they're legends. But, I mean, I don't All right, know. But, but the thing is, they will not rest. And you get the feeling that the entire First Order is obsessed with him. I don't know. I, I just feel like that's a bit overly done. I think it's because Luke is our hero and they're trying to connect instantly. But I don't get that. The next part talks about general... Now, General Leia leads a brave resistance with the support of the Republic. So it is no longer the rebellion. It is now the resistance, but the resistance against the First Order, I guess. It says she's desperate to find Luke and restore peace and justice to the galaxy, which in my notes I put, can he? (laughs) That's That's an awfully bold claim. Uh, so I want to ask of someone, hey, can you just like, not just the planet or the solar system, the entire galaxy? Like, mm. Yeah, it seems a bit much. Could they not just say she misses her brother? Because <laughs> I, I can totally understand her being desperate to see her brother again and needing his help. Needing his help is much different than bringing peace and justice to the galaxy. That's that's a lot to ask yeah. for one guy. Maybe, that, maybe that's why he's in hiding. He's like, God, they want me to do the whole <laughs> galaxy? No, I'm just going to stay in Ireland somewhere up a, I, up a hill. I would love it so much if that was the case, honestly. <laughs> these, guys, uh, these guys with their high expectations? Yes. I was. The next part just irritates me so much. And this you will notice this irritation a number of times. Leia has sent the most daring pilot to Jakku for the clue to Luke's whereabouts. So she sent the most daring pilot and apparently the best pilot in the resistance. But I listened to a podcast I just recommended to you recently called Hello Internet. And after they had watched this, they did a whole episode where they just kind of talked about Force Awakens and how they felt about it. And one of them mentioned that why is Poe the best pilot. Why do we know he's the best pilot? Oh, because they say it all the time. But in my opinion, don't really see it. So I do find that pretty irritating. You can't fly a TIE fighter. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Alright, so that's the crawl. So, I don't know. I'm already... It's, it's pretty bad, but I'm already irritated by the opening the crawl. Oh, like wow. That's not, we're off to a good start where... Fifteen minutes in, and yeah, you're. Uh, I I I didn't even watch the cross; skipped it. <laughs> but no, you're right. That's so funny that we're we're told constantly because there's that quote from the movie springing into my mind when they're on the Maz Kanata's planet. Yeah, and mm-hmm. Finn turns around and goes, "That's one hell of a pilot." It's oh, like, why did you oh. even say that? I don't get it. That's so awful. It's a pretty stupid oh. line. Uh huh. Yeah. Anyway, All right. that's dumb. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Before we begin. I will say, into the, the actual movie, the pre-begin. there is something that is not a gap, but I found 
incredibly irritating. And I told you about this. We were chatting online. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. BB-8. Mm-hmm. First off, I'm a bit irritated because I'm pretty sure that... No, I'm probably wrong. There's probably a ton of other droids that were kind of not really talked about that have different call signs or model numbers. But typically they have four digits. So the fact that he only has three already kind of irritated me. <laughs> but that's just my personal gripe, my personal irritation. But they do mention his name a lot. And like never have a nickname for him. So they always refer to him as BB-8. And every time. And I remember this really irritating me the first time I watched it in the theater. And I watched it again in the theater to see if I was being too harsh on the first time. And felt I wasn't. I've watched it again. Still don't feel any better about it but one of the things that really irritated me was the number of times I felt they said his name especially considering he he doesn't talk to most of the characters they mentioned I I could be wrong about this but as I was counting through I counted 14 times right this movie has a runtime of two hours and 18 minutes with the credits that's still roughly saying his name every 10 minutes (laughs) on average now I understand that when you have a new character, you need to mention it so the name is in the listener. But he's not in the whole movie. In fact, towards the end of the movie, he kind of disappears yeah. for the most part. That means when he is on screen, they're saying his name a ridiculous amount of times. And I find that to be personally irritating. <laughs> I didn't notice that when I was watching it. It wasn't until you mentioned it. But yeah, yeah, I can, I can see it. Especially, it's like... When you, I get that when I listen to a song, if I hear like a a note on a guitar or something like that, it's kind of jarring and I notice it and then I can't unhear it, you know? So I guess that's how you felt with just every time someone said his name, it's like someone just bashing a gong next to your head. Well, I will say that my personal bias is that BB-8 is there to be a huge merchandise move. And so making sure that kids are familiar with his name is key. Right, right. I will also say... Poe is a little too obsessed with BB-8. Yeah. Like right at the beginning. He's like, I'll come back for you. I'll be all right. I'll be all right. And later on, when he <laughs> reunites with BB-8, it's... That was quite quite, quite weird when he when he's walking past all the humans to go and hug his robot. Yes. <laughs> there just seems something wrong creepy. with that. So it feels creepy. This is part of the character motivation that I feel is missing. Why does he love this droid? Because he was still in character mode from from doing uh, Ex Machina. Yeah, but his character was not in love with that character. (laughs) Yeah. Which we can't talk about too much because we don't want to spoil anything. But interesting, though, that those two actors are also both in this movie as well. Who? Poe is, but who's the other one? The general guy. That's where I've seen him. Yeah. I was looking at him going, who is that guy? Well, actually, who is that he's guy? Been a, he's been in a ton of things. He's been in He's the guy that comes for the job, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. Okay. Well, mystery solved. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about Finn a little bit. So there's a battle on Jakku. Uh-huh. Right. And Finn sees one person die. He gets his mask bloodied. So we... So we know who he is. So we know who he is. And that apparently gives him PTSD and... Instantly, he can't fire on anyone. He can't do anything. And apparently, everybody's obsessed with him, which (laughs) I'll be getting to as time goes on. But I find that really irritating. I I know this is his first mission. I understand that. But there are a number of reasons within the movie itself that I find make that irritating. Did that bother you or did you not? I I 
it didn't bother me that much. I mean, I guess seeing someone die and then I didn't see it as him getting PTSD immediately. It was like when they murdered the entire village, that's when he broke. And, you know, I could see that happening. Especially seeing as they make a they make a point in the movie saying we don't use clones, we use, you know, our own farmed baby humans. Yes, which I have a problem with that, but that'll come up later um, in my notes. But yeah, they were, they were quite thick and heavy with the splattering his mask with the blood so that you know who it is. Where I felt that if they didn't do that and they had acted it better, because that can be... I, I wish I had a good example for that, but there are examples where there's really similar like robots or whatever. Like, I, even in iRobot, Sonny had a personality and yeah. he was different from all the robots, even though he looked the same. So that that's a perfect example. They could have done the same with Finn, but they chose, nah, let's just slap a... Let's just slap Wilson on his face. And uh, there you go. Let's talk about Kylo Ren as he enters. He enters, hood up. He stops Poe's blast in midair and holds it for ages. He looks calm and in control and pretty impressive on that first one. (laughs) And so much so against Poe, who is just being really irritating. uh, Do I talk first? Do you talk first? This guy just stopped your laser blast. In midair, it's still floating. Yeah. It is still floating. You can probably there. direct it at your face. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're being a bit flippant. So Poe's character, I don't understand, and I don't, I don't understand his motivation for wanting to annoy Kylo Ren at this point. Because if you die, then the information you have also likely dies with you. I get maybe, and this is me gap filling here, but maybe he knows that Kylo has the ability to extract the information over him. Maybe he's trying to get him to kill him because he's captured. And he's trying to, maybe this is his cyanide pill kind of thing, you know? So maybe he, he wants to die because he's been caught. Um, and he's trying to goad, goad him into killing him and not, not taking him hostage. See, that motivation would make sense, but I wasn't getting that. Especially because he also mouths off to him later when, I don't know, when he's captured and there really isn't much choice. So I, I don't know. I just find him irritating. I will say, we've talked about Abrams in a past episode and the mystery box, and I feel there are a number of them in here. Things that are there but are not explained, and I feel like Phasma is one of them. Yeah. Honestly, because she's wearing a silver uniform, and because she isn't given much chance to speak or much chance to do any sort of emotion, I thought she was a droid the first time I watched it. But I don't think she is because there's a point where Finn threatens to blast that bucket off your head. I don't think you could blast a helmet off a droid. It would just be her head. So I, I assume she's human. I she... I, it's such a waste of, of, an, of a decent actor and such a waste of an interesting character that could be, I think. I mean, I just took it as she was some kind of supervisor, like some squadron leader of the Stormtroopers. I didn't think she was a robot or anything like that, but she seems important. But she's not given a lot of time, yeah. That's like you're saying, everything seems a bit rushed. And that's, yeah, we're only minutes into the movie at this point. Kylo Ren orders destruction of everyone in the village and the village. Why? Is he not here trying to get information? Yeah. Well, wouldn't he want to question people? Especially, wouldn't he want to question Max von Sydow as well? He just murders him. Yes. Yeah. So, I don't understand this. And this is not the only time this happens. This will happen later in the movie as well. We really want this information, but I'll risk blowing up everything and killing everyone in sight because it's fun. I I don't understand what's going on here. I mean, I guess 
this is the thing. Maybe this is this is the fans and and people who've thought about the movie and are filling in gaps afterwards. Like I don't know if the movie thought of it this way. When I don't think JJ thought of it this way, but all of that is perhaps to show his he's conflicted and he's he's throws stupid tantrums and lightsabers up the the building when he gets angry and stuff. So yeah, he makes bad choices. I mean, he is a badass. Like you said, he comes in and he's he's got his stuff together. He's he's on top of things, but yeah, he makes terrible decisions. I, that's how I would take. That's what I would take away from it. It just makes me see him as being very inconsistent, and so well, to me yeah. that that's very irritating. I don't like inconsistent characters, and so I I have a real problem with that. I also just have like I would say another mystery box is just after Finn takes off his mask and Ray takes off her mask, which is pretty obvious what they're going for there. We see Jakku as a planet, and there are clearly a ton of Empire ships, or possibly First Order ships, I'm not sure, but they're all crashed. I reckon area. those are Empire ships, and that's what I was going to mention, that that's something that I really liked about this movie. The sets were really cool, like the massive big things, and like the massive down Star Destroyer. I'm guessing that's from the war from Jedi, you know, or whatever took place. After that, like the... I guess. I kind of wanted to know why. Why they're there and why... Because, yes, there are scavengers here, but I, I get the feeling that the people didn't come here to scavenge, that they were stuck here for some reason. Yeah, yeah. So perhaps they're refugees from that war that have been trapped there. I don't. I just feel like there should have been a little something in there to explain what is Jakku. Why are there so many... I don't see any rebel ships around like i didn't see an x no i didn't see there there is one part where ray puts on a rebel helmet that's right yeah to kind of reference luke i think but there must be but what we saw were the giant empire ships essentially atat as well we saw as well yeah so i think there must have been something here and maybe it was in the novels or things that, that aren't necessarily canon but I am very much a firm believer that if it's not in the actual thing, it's not part of the canon. And you can bring it in, and some stuff can be kind of fan service, but here's a whole planet that I just don't understand the way it works, or why it is there, or why the people are there. It's not like Tatooine. With Tatooine, I always felt people just lived there. They were trying to make a living there. That was their life. Here, all we see are scavengers. We don't see farmers. We don't see... In fact, the only food they seem to have are these weird bread portions that magically get hydrated and cooked at the same yeah, time. Yeah, But that's, that again, that's that's a good, a really good example of kind of like what happened with Lost and filling in the blanks of, of, of stuff. Like, you can, you can make up your entire theory on what that planet is, and I'm sure people have. Like, mm-hmm. I would say, I would maybe say the opposite. I would say a big battle took here, took place there uh, from after Jedi or during Jedi. And because there's so much equipment left lying around, the scavengers have set up a base here. Kind of ties into the story as well, because you see Ray being left with the guy who's handing out the portions. Yeah. You know, you only see his hand. Yeah, but you know. But you know who it is. But so it's like, here's this place that, is desolate. No one's probably going to come back here. This is a good place for me to drop off Ray with this creep. <laughs> I 
But yeah, I would see it as 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 probably no one. But then, but then that begs the question: Well, why would there be a battle taking place there in the first place? Yeah, who knows? Maybe this would be being too picky and wanting everything, and and that's possible. But I mean, we do, but, we but, don't need it. But I'm just very curious. I I feel like a couple lines of dialogue could have explained a lot here. But but you I mean you're right. It's like every I mean even if you look at the originals, every planet has stuff going on. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I think my biggest problem is the fact that their only currency is food. Yeah. I don't feel like people would... So why would you even bother going there if you can't make a living? Yes. If you can't make money, if you can't get rich? It's yes. Like, um, if you can't use this is elsewhere. It, is, it some, is it some kind of gulag then? That's basically what it is then. It's a giant prison. <laughs> right. Because even when Ray has BB-8, the weird guy offers her... Simon Pegg, uh, I think, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Offers her a lot of food, and that's it. Mm. Wow, you can eat for a month, but not really offering her anything that would be good. Oh, and the Falcons there as well. Yes, which is another huge. Well, that's a major coincidence, but we're not we're yeah. not to that in my notes yet. But yeah, I. Uh, uh, uh. No, okay, <laughs> no, that that leads into a personal <laughs> irritation <laughs> of me. But I was like, clearly Ray's been here for a long time, and they show that by her marking a day off on the wall. Right. Kind of understandable, but also kind of stupid. This is not a gap. This is just me being picky. But she only makes single marks. I was just about to say that. Like, there's no there's no cross off. So it's one, two, three, four, and then the line through them. There's no way to keep track of this system. She essentially has thousands of just random marks. Yeah, you'd have to count them all individually. Oh, what was I up to again? Oh man. Yeah. And I think if you've really been here, I'm gonna say ten years. I think you stop counting the days when you can start counting the years, unless Jakku literally has no seasons and no year. But I think that there must be a way. Again, that's Ray's whole character, though, isn't it? It's like, I've got to get back to Jakku, I've got to get back to Jakku, I've got to get back to Jakku, whereas Luke was the complete opposite. It's like, boom, your aunt and uncle are dead, you've got nothing left here, time to move on. Great. Pushes the story forward, gets it going, and like that. Whereas this just feels like, just let her go. You yeah. know? Oh, she wants her parents to come back, I know, but, oh, that's the mystery box. Yeah, it's down, yeah down. we have I'm, no I'm idea. I'm such an idiot, yeah. For her family. Yeah, so, so but so, I, I she's desperate to see idea. them again. And, yeah, it, it's, 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 it's a way of just making a long story even longer by, yeah. not, by not helping push the story yeah. forward. Which, again, listeners, the running time, with credits, is two hours and 18 minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> okay no i i put in here like how does the magic bread work but that's not really important that's, <laughs> magic just, that's bread. just me being really picky and because it is how, how does to... how does the magic pizza work in back to the future too well they have a machine yeah that's true she just adds water yeah, she just... <laughs> <laughs> this is why i was irritated if there was a machine i would be totally fine with it this machine must do something star mm-hmm. trek has their replicators yeah Back to the Future had their magic pizza machine. Yeah. She just adds water, and it's not only fully formed into bread, but it is also warm because there's steam coming off of it. <laughs> there's some sort of amazing chemistry going maybe on. Maybe it's not water. Maybe it's some kind of weird chemical. All right, well, here's the other thing. It must be the most delicious bread ever, and that's why people go. That must be the only reason why people go across yeah. the galaxy to this planet to scavenge is yeah. because... This is the most delicious yeah. bread. Did you hear? Ever. They've got that that bread over there. Yeah, let's go. No, totally ridiculous. 
There's a scene where Ray is introduced to BB-8, mm-hmm. and she, oh, she fights for him to save him, but why? She's stopping this guy, I guess, because she doesn't like the other scavenger, saying he has no respect for anything, but he's a scavenger, and he found something. Yeah. She doesn't have any right to it. It just felt like the script said it must be done, and so it was done. Yeah, it's like, we only scavenge the dead, not the living. I don't know about that. That's well, That's odd, but... What I definitely noticed about that scene is how, and, and throughout the movie, how fluent Ray, Ray is a polyglot for sure. She speaks a hundred language. languages. She's C-3PO. She speaks every language. There's not a language she doesn't understand. It's insane for a scavenger who lives on a desert planet hunting bits of metal. In her entire life, she must have found the Rosetta Stone for the entire galaxy languages. It's insane how qualified she is. Which you're saying because she understands what BB-8 is saying. Immediately. Not just impressions of what he's saying, but actually what he's saying. <laughs> I actually put that in my notes. I said, why does everyone seem to understand what BB-8 is saying? Because I feel like Poe understands what he's saying. And Ray seems to understand what he's saying. And I I never got that impression from... We discussed this before this. the podcast. Is that... You thought Luke could understand R2-D2. Yeah. And I felt he certainly couldn't in the first one. And that maybe by the second one, he could get an idea. But I really felt like he was more just asking yes or no questions. And when he was actually talking to him, it was in the X-Wing fighter and he was looking down at the screen. I could be wrong. Yeah, I mean... That that was always my impression. That was what I said. I said in the beginning of New Hope... He doesn't understand him because 3PO has to translate for him. But by the end, he's talking to him. Whether it, yeah, and you said, oh, it's probably coming up as words on a screen. Well, that's that's gap filling in itself because I'm pretty sure he speaks to him directly in that. But I know he does definitely does in Empire because on uh, the when he's on Yoda's planet, he's not in his X-wing and he's speaking to R2. Yeah, he's speaking to him, but is and he I think he's answering. Who... Quite, I'm pretty sure he's answering him as well. Yeah, I. But anyway, I, I'd, I have really to, I'd have to watch, watch it. it. You will see it differently now Maybe. that I've said it, but yeah. we'll, we'll see. But I did find that irritating. I found Poe seems to know a lot of the workings of a TIE fighter. Okay, so th- this gets into the part where they're on the... They're just on a ship at this point, right? Yeah. yeah. All right, so, so Finn rescues Poe. I will say this motivation of, I just want to get out of here, makes sense to me. But I do find it a bit sudden. This is the only life Finn has known. So let me talk about this now. They mentioned that, I think Finn says that he was taken away from his family as a baby and raised by the First Order. Yeah. And the kind of head general of the First Order says that his training is perfect. And basically, this is the only life Finn has known. And this is where I find his character really confusing and a bit frustrating. He has been trained, indoctrinated, he's been... Brainwashed completely, yeah. Should have been, right, up till now. But one time out, and he hesitates, and he... I just don't understand. Yeah. I guess it's like... It's like winning the lottery, you know? It's just just like, he was in the right place at the right time. That, That This is the character that we're following that did this. These are the events that fell into place. But it's weak, but I can... Okay, so he went... It's his first battle, he got shell-shocked, they're going to send him back for reprogramming. He's scared of, about that, and he wants to get out of here. And it's like, okay, but it's not. I don't know. I just feel I feel it's way too weak. It's pretty simple. And yeah. Yeah, it's, But it's just very coincidental. It's very... I don't, it just seems to me that if 
this has worked for thousands of stormtroopers thus far. And he's the first, because he is the first, they say, that has been. Oh, did they say that specifically? I didn't, it, I didn't well, the general, that. like, I've never had, like, an aberration. Oh. And that, I mean, he might be lying about that, but we don't <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah. We, we, I've never had an aberration <laughs> like that. We have to oh. take him at his word. Sure. But I suppose it's because Finn's some kind of Jedi, isn't he? I mean, he can use a lightsaber. No, but I... No. But I'm we gonna, have to talk, I'm we get to that. talk about I'm that. I'm going to get to that. But I just don't understand his motivation. And so I really feel that his motivation is weak. Now, I don't blame the motivation. I think killing innocent women and children, like, that's a pretty good one. But you've built this world up too much and his background too much in favor of going the other way you need somebody before he goes to jaku to say you know i'm not sure we're doing the right thing or or like the, the great mitchell and Webb skit right are we the baddies right yeah 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 they needed somebody to say something like that to make him start to think about it or even if they just said well you're imperfect I mean, just keep with the Nazi whole, the whole Nazi par- uh, parallel. Just say you're not perfect. Tomorrow you'll be executed. You yeah. know, there you go. Problem solved. Like you're you're imperfect. Done. But oh, uh, I think you need a bit more training. Is yeah. not <laughs> well. Okay. We yeah. we don't know what that means. I mean, that could sure. be something awful, but we don't know what that means. So to us as the viewers, yeah. So I found that very irritating throughout. Uh, there's something else about that, but I'll come up <laughs> in a bit. So Finn decides to rescue Poe, and they hop in a TIE fighter, and I found this scene to be just really cringeworthy. It's just awful. Why, why, why? He says, oh, well, can you fly a TIE fighter? I can fly anything. Yeah. And then he gets in the TIE fighter, and he starts explaining all the controls to Finn. Oh, well, this does this, and this does this. The only way I can fill in the gap here, and it's not been told, is that the Resistance must have TIE Fighters, and they must train pilots on how to fly them just in case. Perhaps. But, if that's the case, why Why does he say, I always wanted to fly one of these? <laughs> now, maybe, maybe, now this is, again, listeners, a huge fill in the gaps, but maybe they have a flight simulator. Uh-huh. That would make sense to me, right? But, as, as a person watching, going, um... The controls aren't going to be exactly the same as your X-Wing fighter. Yeah. And how do you know absolutely everything and are that confident about how to fly it? Mm. It reminds me a bit of Independence Day. (laughs) They try to fly a ship and... The alien ship. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a bump in the road, right? The only bump in the road here was it was still attached to a charging cable or whatever. So it wasn't really... He seemed to have zero problems flying it otherwise. Yeah. I, I I just had a flight real simulator. problem. With that. I think the flight simulator. Yeah, that's that's a good answer. But then answer. when it's attached and oh, why isn't it flying? If you know absolutely everything, then this shouldn't be. You should just know why it's not flying, why he's not getting out there. So I'm really irritated by that, and it created a very very weak bond between Poe and Finn. But the problem is that they kind of try to capitalize on this later, but. Keep in mind, they don't know each other before this, and they barely know each other at all. This will be important later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the other reasons why I really hated this scene was the whoever's in charge at this point is told that a TIE fighter is leaving without clearance, and then he basically just says to blast it out of the sky. 
there must be other ways to stop a TIE fighter from leaving. Close doors, yeah. close the hangar bay. Anything, a tractor beam? Like Check my emails, maybe I missed a memo that a TIE fighter actually is cleared for takeoff. Yeah, yeah before, you, <laughs> before you destroy it. <laughs> and that cable is attached to, that's... I guess it doesn't have a motor on it, maybe, but I just feel like there must have been some other way than instantly stormtroopers having huge weapons out of nowhere to start shooting out of the sky. So this whole scene, to me, just doesn't really work. Yeah. And are you familiar with the Wilhelm screen? Yeah. Yeah. So there is one. Yeah. There so is one. I I did kind of wonder cynically how the how Wilhelm was going to fit into the yeah. thing. Yeah. And they, they squeezed him in there. They got him in. Well, you know, it is a long, long time ago. So perhaps uh, Wilhelm is actually from uh, another galaxy far, far away. And yeah. we've just somehow gotten that screen since then. <laughs> See, now I'm a bit confused in my notes because I'm not exactly sure where this happens in the story. But there is a point now where Kylo Ren refers to him. Oh, they say Poe Dameron escaped thanks to the help of one of our own and he said, oh, was it FN2187, the one from the village? And the one from the village, I am okay with. But him knowing it's FN2187, everybody seems to constantly know who FN2187 is. This one stormtrooper yeah. out of a million. Which I find incredibly irritating. How? How do you know? Why would you know his call number? Kylo Ren is essentially, let's say he's as high as the general. He's... For thousands of men, he's got this guy memorized his code, right? That's because he's much. got a force thing. So he's had his eyes on him since birth. We're gonna find this out in okay. Last Jedi. All right, all right, fair <laughs> enough. We'll, we'll we'll see. Then the Tie Fighter crashes for reasons. Well, it's missing a wing. It is, yeah. I guess, but it. I don't know. I I, I felt that was a bit forced because then where does Poe go? Oh, he's missing, and then we're. To assume that he sunk with the TIE fighter in the desert, but his jacket didn't. But they didn't. Don't die on camera and not dead. That's the rule. I understand that's the rule, and that's the way I always see it. But we're led to believe that, right? Yeah. And so it feels fake to me, I guess, because I know that rule. I'm way too familiar with that rule. But it seemed way too coincidental that his jacket escaped, but his body <laughs> his jacket didn't. escaped. Save my jacket first. Yeah. I think that's the part that irritated me the most, this jacket, because the jacket becomes plot important or story important in the, in the sense that BB-8 recognizes the jacket. Recognizes the jacket. And yeah. Then, so it's important in that way, I guess. That's been the only way. Oh, and I suppose it gives another fake friendship thing for Poe, like, oh no, you can keep my jacket. It's like, no, give me that jacket back. <laughs> give me that jacket, I've been to war. Mm-hmm. Here's the part where the general talks about his men are exceptionally trained. His men. I like how he says my men, though there's clearly a female stormtrooper living. <laughs> so his men are exceptionally trained from birth. I, at this point, I was like, really, what is this system? Because before they were clones and now they're not. So what's going on? Now, I, I appreciate that we, we don't need the clones. That's fine. But what is this system where they're stealing babies? Have you seen Wally? Yeah. There you go. That's the system. <laughs> I love that. I love that bit in Wally with the little nursery with all the babies just watching the robot and the television. That's it. They're, they're baby stormtroopers right there. Universe. Okay. Crossover this is confirmed. not the Wally universe. <laughs> 
Wally universe, the humans don't really care and they don't have any interaction. <laughs> the Star Wars universe is all about caring about each other. At least the resistance side, the rebellion side has always been about that's what's important. Yeah. Whereas the Empire is, of course, meant to be cold and distant and everybody yeah. is, is the same. Yeah. Right? I mean, I guess, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that's what it is. It's like they'll take children and... But I, I don't I mean, understand. I don't understand this. Okay, so but we don't get to see it. Yeah. Well, here's what I've never quite understood. If that is the case, right? In the original trilogy, I always assumed that the Empire was a certain number of planets, and they were being governed by the Empire. So there would be some probably volunteers and maybe a drafting process that you had to go through. But it wasn't ever from birth. Yeah. And I find it illogical that if they do control these planets, that there wouldn't be some kind of riot over losing all their babies to become stormtroopers. And if they lose all their babies, then there's no one to keep those planets running. So is it a lottery system? I don't know. I just feel right now it feels like they're just taking whatever baby they want. And they should have taken some babies from that village they burned down in the opening scene. <laughs> exactly. That would also make sense. If they were if they were taking people from places they conquered, that would make sense. But I don't understand the system. And it doesn't say And you think you'd need a lot of babies. You would need a lot. You would. You I mean just to run this new Death Star. Yeah. It's a ridiculous amount of people. Yeah. So I don't understand the system. I don't understand how the Empire, or now the First Order works, I do feel that now kind of need an explanation because apparently it was in ashes before. That seems like it would be a very difficult thing to get started back up again because if people were having their babies stolen away, maybe now they wouldn't sign up so quickly again and they would all resist. So here is something that I feel is a huge mystery box a thing that, honestly, I wanted to be explained. We have a friend who makes a good argument that in the first movie, A New Hope, we weren't explained what the Empire was or where it came from, and we didn't need to know. And I agree. In that one, we didn't need to know. But in my opinion, in this one, we do need to know. Because we need to know how it went from being destroyed and literally from the crawl saying from the ashes. Now, if it wasn't from the ashes, if there actually was, you know, a strong element to the Empire that stayed on, and only that small section we saw in Jedi got destroyed. Okay, but they're, they're saying literally from the ashes of the Empire. So I feel there's a huge mystery box here. How did it go from being ashes to being big enough to make destroy a death sons. planet? Yeah, to destroy sons and raising children from babies. All in the space of about, what, 20 years? I mean, how much older is Han now? Well, in real life or in, well, I mean, in the movie? Well, I mean, even in the movie, like if we were to say in the movie. So it's like... Well, how, how old is Kylo Ren now, right? Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. 20s, yeah? Probably. Yeah. So that's a big, that's a huge accomplishment in 20. Even, th let's give them 30 years. That's impressive. Yeah. But at the same time, Disney, if you're mysteriously listening to our little podcast... Please don't hurt us. <laughs> well, that, that too, but also... Please, we don't we don't want that movie. We don't want that movie. We wanted it in Force Awakens. We wanted an explanation, but we don't need a movie or a trilogy explaining how the Empire grew or the First Order. Uh, grew. Uh, I, yeah. I, I don't I don't want any more of that. 
We are not asking for that. <laughs> Let's be very clear. We are not asking for a three, whole three movie. more movies. No, <laughs> we are not asking for any movies. Explaining you missed your chance is what I'm saying. You missed your chance, and it should have been there. I was even thinking, like, yeah, I mean, if it was a reboot, then okay, fine, whatever, I can see. But it's not. It's like you watching this. You should be watching this from a new hope until now. And yeah, there's a there's a huge black hole between these movies yeah. that and hasn't been addressed. Not everything needs to be, but I felt this is something that definitely needed to be. How? How? Right? Now, again, maybe in the next movie somehow they're going to do backstory and maybe Snoke is important. I mean, to be honest, that don't... would have been a more interesting movie than just redoing the Death Star. You yeah. Know? I mean, like actually showing the Empire come, showing the birth of the New Order. Yeah, why not? That would have been dark, but pretty cool. We're on Jakku. Yep. And we're still on Jakku. Yes. <laughs> and Finn and Ray are running away as the First Order again decides to blast away <laughs> instead of, I don't know, looking for the information that they say they want. Yeah. So if their goal was to just stop anyone from having the information, I would understand. But it's explicitly Ky- not. Yes, Kylo Ren keeps saying he's looking for the information. He wants the information. But then they keep blasting everyone who might have the information. How does he know? I mean, they, they, at this point, I think... At this point, do they know that BB-8 has the information? No, they have to capture Poe. Oh, no, no, wait. Have they captured... I don't know if the scene where he extracts information from Poe... Yeah. Actually, we know no, we, we know they are looking for the droid. Oh, it's because he got... The information from Poe. He yeah, it, it sucked it out thing, of him. Yeah, Kaloran seems to be able to read people's minds, but only the information that's important to the story. Not their favorite song, or yeah, or what they had for dinner, or for example, night. Ray's family or backstory beyond what we've seen within the movie. I'm not sure about that, but that's probably a personal gripe that maybe is yeah. a bit too picky. But I don't know if they. I can't remember if they knew about the. No, they had to know. Yeah. They didn't know. Yeah, but that's why they start to look for the droid in yeah. the first place. And that's why, that's why they send the... Ray was offered the lots of food because the droid was wanted by the First Order. Yeah. Okay, so that, that's the situation. But then they're running away, which there's the whole irritating thing where he tries to grab her hand and she keeps saying, stop holding stop my hand. hand. I don't... I. I understand the message they're trying to say. It just felt really irritating forced. at this point. Yeah, The forced awakened. <laughs> But there is a point where Finn says, come on, BB-8. And I'm like, "Uh, how do you know his name? (laughs) Because Finn clearly is at least the one person in the galaxy who can't speak to BB-8. He doesn't understand him. And his name was never mentioned around Finn. Poe said, oh, it's special. And he's one of a kind, I guess. He really has way strong feelings for that. Yeah, but he also must be one of a kind because every time anybody sees this droid, everybody is calling everyone. (laughs) It's like, is there only one white and orange one in the entire galaxy? uh, That really irritated me. But now they see, well, they see a different ship and they're like, well, I guess we'll have to settle for the garbage, which of course is the Millennium Falcon and how dare you (laughs) call it garbage. But here's the thing that bothers me about this. Ray calls it garbage, says uh, it's not worth it until they have no other choice. Right. But the thing is, she seems to know all about the Millennium Falcon once she realizes what ship it is. Which I find very odd that she doesn't know this is the Millennium Falcon. Or even suspect. 
Right. Like, does everybody just know what the name of the Millennium Falcon, but not actually... Its history or... Or what it looks like. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? But she runs into the ship and instantly goes, oh, the guns are down there. It's like, uh, how, how do you know? Yeah. Right? Now, we would have to fill in some gaps here, right? It's not explained. Uh-huh. I could possibly. I'm not sure if I want to. I'm not sure if I want to give them credit as it's even being possible. Go for it. That's what we're here for, to fill in these things. No, I think we're here to point out, point out when, they're, <laughs> when they've been left. Well, we've already pointed out that uh, Ray was left with the guy who essentially, I assume, owns the Millennium Falcon. So at some time as a kid, she may have been able Seen to it explore. Even, yeah. yeah. But again, the fact that she would be that familiar with it but not know what it's called yeah. seems very odd to me. Yeah. She also seems to be way too intimate with the workings of it. Yeah, you you I, had something about I, this. I, I, wrote, I, I wrote something. It just it just like yeah. I mean, you know, I understand if she's a pilot, and the, again, it's the same thing with Poe with the with the Tie Fighter. But at least we explained that with a flight simulator. But with this, it's like yeah, I, we we explained not the <laughs> yeah, movie. All right. I get I get that you're a pilot and you're a scavenger and you know your way around an engine perhaps, but. Like when she's fixing it up, like this thing go. I need this tape for this. It's like when you know the inner kind of machinations of this huge ship. It's not a it's not a fuse box panel we're talking about. It's an entire ship. It's got cables and buttons running the entire way and and undercarriages and things like that. It's like which she hops right into. She knows right and, where to go. Yeah, bang, she's in there and asking for the the Harris wrench. I don't even I don't know if that was a thing for Harrison Ford. Or if there's actually a thing called a Harris wrench, but I just found out. Yeah, that's a step too far for me. You are the rain man of languages, spaceships, sword fighting. Yeah. I know some people are very annoyed by him for some reason, but Max Landis brought this up, the idea that Ray is a Mary Sue, which I only found out that term because of him, and then I introduced you to it, and it I think we so both kind of agree, yeah. And we'll get hate for that, and that's fine, but I, the idea of I don't Mary see how, it's like yeah. she is... OP, man. She's OP. Uh, OP. Overpowered, right? (laughs) So the idea of a Mary Sue is just they can do what they need to do, right? It's essentially like being a a character that is a constant deus ex machina. Yeah. Like, oh, I need to speak to this guy. Oh, I I happen to understand his language, right? Yeah. And, oh, we happen to need to fly away. I've never flown a ship before, but... Okay, so remember when I said time was important? Yeah. When Ray first takes off the Falcon, like she's crashing it all over the place, barely moving it. But within about a minute and a half, literally minute and a half in movie time, she's flying through the graveyard of ships like it's no problem. Doing barrel rolls. Yeah. And then after two and a half minutes of flying, she flies through another ship. (laughs) I hope this works. I I think not. I think that's a bit much. So I am just going to say that's not okay. <laughs> I think that's fair. Yeah, because uh, yeah, it it's going, and it's not even a minute and a half of real time. It's it's moving because they're actively being pursued by Tie time. Fighters. Yeah, unless unless they're trying to say that there was another like two days where they were being chased there, which I don't think happened. No, it was it was literally two and a half minutes. From I'm crashing while taking off to flying through the heart of another ship. And then going into space. Here's here's my next thing about time. They make it into space 
at about 35 minutes and 48 seconds. At 39 minutes and 6 seconds, Han catches up to them. So they're only in space trying to fix the gas leak in a stupid way. She's like, give me the thing I'm pointing to. No, the thing I'm pointing to. If we don't get it, we're going to die. Well, just get out of the hole and grab it yourself if he's being that stupid. Or, you know, describe what it looks like. It's yellow, too. Yeah, it's the only one that's yellow. Just, oh, oh. It, was, it was just to give Finn that stupid moment with BB-8 that everybody loves, where he gives him essentially a thumbs up with the lighter. And I know. This very R2 moment right there. They were trying to recapture that for sure. Yeah, which... Let's I, give him I, I personality. Yeah, yeah I, sorry. <laughs> All right. But here's here's the thing, when they, just before that part, sorry, as their escape, right, he, Finn, goes up to Rey and says, oh, great flying, how did you do it? And she responds, I don't know. <laughs> to which I go, well, neither do we. I don't understand. It's the force, man, it's the force. <laughs> Alright, here's the next part. So we get to the First Order. Sir, we've lost the droid as it flew away in the Falcon. So clearly, everybody knows what the Millennium Falcon looks like, except for Ray. I guess. I don't know. How How did they know? Did the sensors pick that up? How did they know it escaped in the Falcon? Like, is the Falcon the only thing it escaped? And how do they know it was on there? True. I, I mean, I know Han found it because... He was looking it? for the Falcon. Yeah, and he was tracking. Yeah. There was a tracker on it. But there. they said that the droid is particularly on the ship. It's on the Falcon. How do they know the droid is on the ship? They um, don't. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I they must have had camera surveillance. But if they had camera surveillance that good, why did they blow up the whole settlement instead of just going to... Oh, see, I'm sorry. That... No. Not okay. Uh, not okay. And this is where Kylo decides to destroy a whole panel of instruments like a petulant child. Yes. I find it really right. irritating. And he does it again later, doesn't he? He does yeah. it, tears up the chair. <laughs> okay, so apparently here's where I said Finn doesn't understand BB-8, and I say why for comedy because everybody else seems to understand him. Yeah, and here's a, Han comes on and Chewie, I'm home, and I will say this: one, the look of this movie is very much Star Wars. Definitely, the look oh, is, yeah. is good. Yeah, they did their homework on their sets for sure. And I will say without reservation that pretty much every interaction between Han and Chewie. Han and Leia, and even a lot of the Han and Rey stuff. The dialogue works really, really well. And it is great in this movie to see Carrie Fisher, to see Harrison Ford, to see Chewbacca, and to see them interacting. And really, Harrison Ford, I, I felt in recent times, hasn't been at his best. But I really felt like he gave a real effort in this movie, and it shows, and it felt... Like, when he gets on the ship, even... In the trailer, I'd seen the trailer before this one, and he said, Chewie, we're home. That felt good, even when I was seeing it in the movie. And just his interactions, it just felt genuine. And those moments felt like gold, but they felt like gold hidden amongst the rest of this, that it was kind of unfortunate. Yeah. So I, I will say that. I think that that's great. But then we're let down a bit by the story. Han's been looking for the Falcon. Of course he has. Yeah, it's his baby. But after decades of looking for it, he finds it. In about five minutes. He can be there in five minutes once it's into space. And apparently he couldn't sense it on the planet. I was thinking about that. Okay. I think I, think I know the theory for this okay. one. Or, yes. I'm, or I'm just making it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm probably making it up. But I'm guessing that 
every just like a car's en- an engine has a sound as a ship moves through space it probably has a signature that you can trace or track and so he's been listening for that but yeah okay that he space. wouldn't have had he wouldn't have put in some way to find it other than that that seems very un solo well i mean like, it's been stolen a half dozen times though, hasn't it it's been it was taken from this person it's probably been stripped and whatever i'm going to i'm that's my theory i'm sticking with it <laughs> all right i just again one of my overall problems with this movie is coincidence i mean he does find it very fast yes like i've i've been searching for decades oh i just happen to be in the neighborhood well apparently and this is my problem with a lot of Abrams films, particularly those in space, there is no time to travel. We can't waste time apparently traveling. Even though there's a lot of good things you can do with that time, he apparently doesn't see the value of it, which I find very, very irritating. And not to keep comparing it to A New Hope or... No, do because that's exactly what but, I was thinking. But that's it. It's like when they're leaving Tatooine. Ta- uh, yeah, and they're and they're off, and you've got that whole section in the ship. It's all just building character, story. Nothing happens. And you also really. you're getting the feeling that these characters are getting to know each other. And when Ben does die, even when he does die, we're still like, but you only you only known him for a few days. But there's at least there's some kind of a bond, and he's trained him a little bit and stuff, and you get a little bit of emotion between them. Like, well, but it's also. I would say in that case that Obi-Wan was not just, you know, his mentor, but he was also the only connection he had to his father. Right. I mean, even his aunt and uncle are now dead. He was the closest thing he had to family. And he was also, I would say, the future. Like, Luke was looking forward to being trained and to getting to know more. True. Yeah. But yeah, that whole whole scene of them just on that ship is a really good example of using travel time to do something other than just like explosion and there's more stuff which we don't we, let's this, have a hitchhiker's we... guide to the galaxy monster yeah all right so that's exactly where we are in the movie then so he shows up and talks to them and ray fixes the ship and i say how so quickly she was really worried about the poison gas leak like that whole time i, I don't know i i just found that whole bit really really irritating but here's what i would say I've, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. How does everyone know about Luke and Han Solo? Okay. I understand that maybe some of those stories had trickled down to Rey, but Finn knows this? Is this part of his training? Because the only thing he knows is what he has been trained, from what I understand. And he would have been trained to hate these people. Yeah. Finding this as Han Solo would instantly, even though he's switched sides, should have some sort of reaction other than what feels like admiration. Yeah. Let's talk about time again. So one of my big issues. Han catches up with him after just after 39 minutes into the movie. At 42 minutes and 47 seconds by the timestamp I saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Death Gang boards. So this is three minutes after Hansel has caught up with the Falcon. And not only that, a group called the Kanja Club arrives like two minutes later. Now, I can give you that they had been in talks with each other and that's how they knew they were being double crossed and so they may have arrived together i'm okay with that yeah honestly but it just seems ridiculous that han just got the falcon on and so, they're already and now the they're room. being boarded is two boardings in five minutes it's ridiculous it's yeah. just absolutely ridiculous so for me by that point that's what irritates me more I hate the look of the monsters. I hate the monsters, but I think that bothers you more than it does me. Because at this point, I am so fed up with all the coincidences. I've, I, I, 
I, I honestly just want that scene to end. So if you want to say something about uh, this. It was just, the thing that I thought the movie did really well was, and it shows that you can do good stuff with puppets still. Mm-hmm. He's gone and he's been like, I thought he was going for like a zero CG, or not a zero CGI policy because that would be impossible. But <laughs> that would, <laughs> I want to see that one. <laughs> um, but the beginning, all the robots are, are puppets, the animals are puppets, the aliens are puppets and guys in costumes. It's all really awesome. I, I loved it and it works beautifully. It's it's high quality. It's great. And then the CGI stuff really pops. The Simon Pegg character, I think, looks awful. But Yeah, yeah, the Simon Pegg character looks looks pretty bad. The, but not as bad as the Hitchhikers. I don't know why I keep calling it the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy Monster. It's a Cthulhu monster, whatever you want to call it. it the three giant it monsters. It looks yeah. just like a sore thumb. Um, and so does Moz. Yeah, but we're not too hurried yet. But yeah, okay. But, if but you want to like, talk CG, yeah, she looks like, pretty terrible. Yeah, but they've been perfectly competent up until the whole movie. Even, I'm going to say the whole movie with all of their non-CGI stuff was on point the entire movie. And then, but they're like, oh, but we need to do it for this. I don't know why they felt they had to do that. I mean, maybe with a giant tentacled monster, yeah, that would be pretty hard to do. But with Moz, I don't know. Yeah, I think she would have been better to do a yeah. different way. And even, oh, but we've got, this is how we want her to look. Well, change it. I mean, if it's harder, if that's going to be hard to do in a costume, then change her. No one's seen her yet. <laughs> you do whatever you want, whatever's easier. She doesn't have to be two feet Ma- tall. Make her a Wookiee. You know, just put her in a big furry costume. Don't make, don't make her Wookiee, because then <laughs> we'd have to have subtitles the whole time. <laughs> well, not if you're Ray. Yeah, we'll get to that. But yeah, that's my two cents on the CGI kind of thing. Now, Ray is on a totally new ship now, right? And she knows how to open the blast doors. I mean, she does it wrong once. I will give it that, and maybe she's guessing, but she seems to know an awful lot about this ship as well, <laughs> which I find really irritating. At this point, are we just supposed to believe the Force is telling her what to do all the time? I think so. I think that's the mystery box, isn't it? But that's the problem, and should we ever get back to Lost at some point, that's always been my problem, that it happens because of magic is not a good enough reason. It doesn't happen because of magic. Oh, no. <laughs> we can't no right. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that another time, we I think. To. We're going to have to. But she closes a blast door to save Finn from the creature like. Everybody else dies instantly, except for Finn, who they're apparently saving for a snack later. I don't... Maybe he's not. No, it just seems so coincidental. (laughs) But Ray also, we get back to the Falcon and she knows about the fuel pump that's installed. She knows about all this stuff. Now, again, if somehow she was getting the information from that guy, but that, that guy, the Simon Pegg character does not treat her with any sort of like familial, like, I used to take care of you. And now you're on your own sense. He's just cold and yeah, he's manipulative, really. So I don't get that feeling from them at all. I feel like he was possibly paid to take care of her for a couple of years, make sure she doesn't die, teach her how to scavenge, and that was it. Yeah, that would be fair enough, I think. But if that's his attitude towards Ray, he wouldn't have shown her the Falcon and how it worked and yeah. goes, oh, I installed this fuel pump because it's going to make it better. And, plus, and she goes, no, that wouldn't. Uh, and plus, if we do find out, well, we have to find out who our real parents are at some point. Yeah. And if we do find out that she's someone special and that he would have known about who they were, then, yeah, he would have kept her as far away from the Falcon as possible. You know, because he, he wouldn't want her going back or finding out right. anything about it. Because that's the whole reason she's here, isn't it? To be hidden. Or he likely would have tried to betray her at some point. Mm-hmm. He seems very cold and... Sell her to the First Order for a 
magic bread. Yeah, I mean, essentially. Okay, here's the thing. The guy from the Death Gang says to alert the First Order because the droid they want is on the Millennium Falcon. How how does he know? One, how does he know the Falcon's name? Because the Falcon has apparently been like out of action for decades, and he's not that old, right? Does yeah. he just know that Han Solo happens to have that? But also, how does he know that's the droid? Because you get that cute little scene where he hides behind and shakes like Wally. But it's only... That droid is acting suspiciously. I guess. Is only an orange and white droid? Is it the only one? Are they all different colors except for this one? I'm guessing that, yeah, there's one BB-8 in the whole galaxy. All right. Well, and, and and everybody knows what you... Well, maybe there's an APB out in it, you know? They've, maybe they've well, seen a picture. There is, but a picture. Okay. Yeah, I guess. Maybe. But still, like, I'm assuming that there's more than one. Is he a prototype where there's only one? I, I just don't see it. Yeah. Now we see Snoke, and this is a mystery box, but I think this is something that will be explained in the yeah. following movie. I don't think I don't think they're going to give that away immediately. Yeah, and that's fine. I mean, in the New Hope, the Emperor, we didn't really know much about him. In fact, he looks really weird in the New Hope. But of course, I do want to know who is he? What happened to his face? Yeah, because half it looks melted off. But why? Here's the thing that I don't understand. Why does he think Luke? Can bring back the Jedi because he's already failed once. Snoke has already stopped him once. So why is he still so worried about Luke? And, and, he, failed, and he failed with Kylo as well. He's not a very good teacher, is he? But that's why. I, I don't know if you caught that, but in a conversation between Han and Leia, it's mentioned Snoke corrupted him. Right. And then he ruined Luke's attempts in some way, but we're not really told. And this is fine. This is the kind of thing, sure, you're giving me this to lead into the next movie. Yeah. And I'm yeah. I'm okay with that, but I'm not okay with it. Is he, is he giant? No, I don't think so. I hope he's tiny. I hope he's like Yoda size. <laughs> but his hologram is ridiculously large. Yeah. And his hologram also blocks light. So for a long time, the first time I watched it, I was convinced he was actually there because his hologram is blocking this light that comes from behind his head, which is not quite a lens flare, but <laughs> it's close. Yeah. And I don't understand why he's in talks with the general about the Jedi and about Luke. Why is he there? It feels weird. But again, it feels weird because... who the gen It feels weird that the general's there. Yeah, because it's, it's the general. It's... Yeah, I wish I should have looked up his name, but it's... It's the general, it's uh, Kylo. Kylo Ren and Snoke. And they are three, you know, kind of having a yeah. business meeting about what to do. And he's talking about the Jedi, which seems to me that the general guy doesn't understand. He's much like the old Empire guys who didn't believe in the Force or didn't really understand it. Right. So why is he there and why is he concerned about Luke, right? I don't... Again, it feels like they're making Luke more important than he really is. And this is coming from somebody who... I loved Luke growing up. I still love him as a character and think he's very important. But I don't think he's the only thing, right? I mean, yeah, I mean... They, they have a lot of other problems going on. They have an entire Republic and Resistance trying to take them down. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess they, they're the linchpins of the... Or they could be of the Resistance. You know, it's like, take them out of the equation because they can rally the cause and that's what will... It's not like Luke is going to take down the First Order himself single-handedly and if he does, that's ridiculous. But, but no, I get kind of a feeling that yeah, Kylo and the General are equals. You know, that's... I, I don't think that they take... They both take orders from Snow. They don't take orders from each other. I don't think right. That, yeah. Which is an awkward power dynamic, clearly. Mm -hmm. 
in this conversation, too, we find out Ren is a master of the Knights of Ren, which is why he has that title, I guess. But what is that? Is it a type of Sith? Why are we given yet another new term and another new group? I found that really irritating. And again, this is probably in the extended universe, but it's not in the movies. And so I don't yep, know what I have no idea not. what that was. You just don't like it because it's too close to the Knights Templar. And you're like, oh, again? Nice you know, I was nice even, Templar in space. I wasn't even thinking that, but now I probably will. Yeah. Okay. So Luke went to search for the first Jedi Temple, but we're given no idea why. I assume in the next movie that we will be told, but the whole thing I wouldn't is hold your breath for that part, man. <laughs> no, he's got to. He's got to because he doesn't get to talk at all in this one. So at least he's got to say something in the next one. But Kylo Ren apparently betrayed Luke and the whole generation of new Jedi. But betray, like, kill them? Like Anakin did? Yeah. I want to know just a bit more about that. How, I mean, because apparently this disrupted everything and sent Luke away. And it, I may be filling in gaps here. I don't know. But I got the impression that they're saying that Luke is depressed. Yeah. Right. Much like R2-D2. And I think that's part of why I was making this connection is that R2-D2 Yeah, which, sorry, we, we haven't got to that part yet. But I felt like they were trying to make that connection. But... I kind of want to know why. So, again, hopefully in the next movie that will be answered. 